Yo, what up, though? This is Esham, and you rocking with the Connected Experience. Yo, what up, though, man? This is Big Greg, and you rocking with the Connected Experience. This is Premier Pete, and you're rocking with the Connected Experience. Chill. Oh, yeah, this Jake Prince coming at you live and in living color, and you're rocking with the Connect Experience. Yo, what's up, everybody? It's comedian TK Kirkland, a.k.a. T to the motherfucking K. And when I'm in Detroit, you already know what it is. I listen to the Connected Experience. You should, too. Connected. I'm SJ. I'm AJ. And we the Connected Experience. Hey, bro, what's the Connected Experience? The Connected Experience is the lifestyle, our lifestyle. A lifestyle is where we put people in the room together who we think should be connected is where we put people in front of the listeners who we believe should be connected. And it's just all around what we do and we have fun doing it. Yeah, and sometimes uh, people been asking, like, why we ain't been having two guests together. It's, very, very it's really hard to book two people to get them up here. And that's just how it go, man. But we still going. We on, like, show mad numbers like we don't even yeah. number our shit you know what i'm saying but we, we count them but we'll number them yeah, yeah that makes sense right? but we uh we approaching urban podcast month so it's gonna be a lot going on from us for urban podcast month that's coming up yeah i'm uh, excited about this one yeah i'm excited about this one too we just yeah. been plotting and planning and see what we could do but well we want all the other people to know about urban podcast month if you're a podcaster hey man throw some events let yourself. us come out let us come out and let us support y'all events you know what i'm saying this year's hashtag is gonna be urban podcast month 2000 May 2019, so we about to start using that. But all the urban podcasts, man, throw y'all some events in May. We go if we can't make it, Shop Talk go make it, or somebody else go make it. But we want to support. We don't want it to look like we just trying to control it. We want to support everybody wherever y'all at. If y'all in Ohio, we might be able to get down to Ohio for the weekend to do yeah, that. Yeah. I see Milwaukee got a big podcast community over there. Indiana we might be able too. to get to Milwaukee. We just need to know in advance. It can't be like oh Saturday I want to throw an event for urban podcast month so may is urban podcast month that's coming up and that's worldwide that's worldwide so uh you got a book of the episode i do man jason wilson man cry like a man so for a lot of people who don't know jason wilson was before he was jason wilson to a lot of people he was uh, a great dj in the city uh from chaos and maestro he produced some of our favorite records and he actually produced on chris weber record when chris weber was platinum i think that was platinum so jason wilson he's an author now cry like a man look this this book is really like black men should read this book right all men should read this book well all men should read this book but specifically black men because like the parallels to his life and your life might be so similar. Like before he was 14, he experienced so much trauma, but was told not to cry about it from brothers passing away to best friends, his home girl. I'm going to get this away. His home girl is one of the first people who ever got murdered inside a Detroit school. You see what I'm saying? From somebody bringing a gun to school. Right. So he even originated school shoots. So another note, but what really struck me about this book is his father didn't tell him until he was 37 years old that he loved him. We're now that's not even very, 37 years old yet. Yeah, and that's very different from us because, like, if I know one person loves me, it's my, my daddy. daddy. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm yeah, saying? But yeah. I just think this is a good read and a good thing to experience that you don't have to experience personally. And then that give you, like, because a lot of people we know, like, emotionally fucked up, man. You know what I'm saying? To say the least. You know what I'm saying? Because they wasn't taught that crying is okay. You taught that if you cry, you're weak. You feel what I'm saying? Not true. What my man say, sometimes you got to get the crying out to get the hurt out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you got uh, a book? I got a book too, though. My uh, what, what book is it? Harlem Godfather, the rap on my husband, Elworth Bumpy Johnson by Mamie Johnson and Karen Miller. Now, I hear a lot and I see a lot of people on this shit where they think that they some type of gangster yeah. or they keeping a G or they keeping the street. And yeah. none of these niggas know who Bumpy Johnson is. Like, oh, okay. Man, so if you ever seen Hoodlum, Lawrence Fishburne was Bumpy Johnson. He was portraying Bumpy Johnson. But that a was version like of a Bumpy, version of yeah. Bumpy Johnson. And that was probably just like a chapter in this book. That was actually a small chapter. So what this book is, is this is a, about Bumpy Johnson from his wife's point of view. And she's telling stories that he told her. But overall, bottom line, he kept it solid all the way down. Right. Didn't really fuck with selling no drugs. Yeah. Didn't re- the, the mob, he had an agreement with Lucky Luciano for sa- saving his life that he called the shots in Harlem. Don't nothing go through harlem without him and it'd be a shame to see that they don't keep that going like they glorify all these other so-called gangsters but bumpy fought for harlem and they we we still got harlem harlem's still black to this day 
from Bumpy fighting for it in the 1930s up to the 1960s. Well, is it still died. black? It's, I mean, it's still, for the, for oh, the but part, what people don't know, Harlem started, didn't used to always right. be black. It used to who, be who, Irish. Who is the father of Harlem? Did they talk about him in that book? No. Who, it was a real estate agent, and the thing was, even Harlem was out of people price range, and they built all this land. I mean, they built all them buildings, and they couldn't even get the people in it. So he went to the builders, and he said, listen, I can get black people to occupy these buildings if you drop the rent. Uh, I think his last name, Peyton. His, if I'm mistaken, his last name, Peyton. They probably and mentioned him in this book, though. Well, I watched something about Buffy Johnson, and that's how I know about him. And that's how black people hey, got to Hey, I got to tell one thing, though. All right, okay. so Buffy was a cold nigga. Hey, man, he was dating Lena Horne and brought her up in the crib with his wife and his granddaughter. <laughs> Yeah, he a wild boy, yeah. wild boy. So, uh, what you who we got on who we got with us today? Uh man, we got. Uh, I mean, I consider him a friend. We've been knowing each other since high school, and we wear a lot of high school. Yeah. What y'all just came up on y'all twenty year? Yep. Yeah. So uh, we, we got Rob Collins from Unique. So uh, the Unique Collection, but he much more than Unique, man. So Rob, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hey, first of all, thank you boys for having me, man. It's uh, no I think doubt, it's been no a long doubt. time coming. Yeah. Um. Yeah, we've been we've been. Shoot, we go way back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's been a long yeah. time since high school, but yeah, my name is Robert. Robert Courtney is what I call myself now. I mean, it's it's my name, but a lot of people from high school don't really, you know, yeah, they never really knew about the Courtney part. <laughs> so uh, coming out of high school, it's like I needed a way to kind of differentiate, you know, myself from being like the guy that that played basketball yeah. and and drew pictures. <laughs> and so I'm like, you know what? Let me kind of shock him with we this. We're going to get to basketball. <laughs> we, hey, so how was it? You you actually are from Romulus, born and raised. Yeah, so, absolutely. So yeah. how was it growing up in Romulus? Um, growing up in Romulus, like my memories of it was really like, I felt like it was probably like more community. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. just... I remember being a kid and like going outside and knowing all the kids in the neighborhood playing football, basketball, you know, playing uh tackle in the front yard. Yeah. Like that's my memory of growing up as a little kid. As far as growing up, you know, going to school or whatever. We grew up in Wellesley, which, you know, Romulus is pretty much divided into about four neighborhoods. So yeah, nobody ever spoke on this because we is not our for a neighborhood, so you tell them about that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. you had you had Wellesley, you had behind McDonald's, you had the sub, and you had Oprah. Oprah. You well, know. it's five because White Cloud. Well, White Cloud, <laughs> but I, I wouldn't consider that like uh, somebody neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you know, going to school, it's like either you was from one of those yeah. four or five neighborhoods, and um, everybody kind of flocked together, um, depending on what neighborhood you was from or whatnot. So. Growing up in Wellesley, it was like everybody knew each other. Everybody was at each other's crib. You know, when you talked about like sports and yeah, yeah. and whatever you was doing, it was like you represented the the neighborhood that For you sports, was from. Yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah. So, so, did you play like little league football? I didn't play no sports, bro. Like, yeah. I only played. I played organized basketball in twelfth grade. Yeah. Oh no, a, I remember. Yeah. I just mentioned this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> you bring some context to the situation. Yeah. 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 So like I. I begged my parents. We was a real religious family. Yeah. So my parents was really against organized sports growing up. Now, is it a, a lot of Jehovah's religious? Witness, right? Yeah, yeah, right. Jehovah's Witness. Okay, okay. So, yeah. but for a lot of people who don't understand, why were they against the organization of sports? And you the middle child, right? You I, got an older brother. Yeah, I got. A, I got yeah. actually I got an older brother and an older sister. Okay. Um, okay. My my sister was a half sister, so she didn't live with us. Okay. But um. So you all never knew that. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. The older sister. She live in North Carolina now. But uh, my younger sister, she was with us. But um, so with the organization, anything that that distracted you or took time away from, um, you know, developing yourself within the organization was a lot of times frowned upon or, um, you know, not that it was a bad thing to play the sport. It was just that you were giving your time. To something exactly. It's like your time could be better used in, you know, learning, studying and acquire more knowledge about um, about the Bible. So how what made them have a change of heart in 12th grade? Uh, it wasn't really a change of heart. I turned 18. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> more more or less like my dad always said if you know, if you're if you feel this strongly about it going into your senior year, you're going to be turning 18 and at that time I'm going to let you make the decisions yourself. So really, like in my mind, it was yeah. like, man, you I can't wait. 18. Yeah, I was yeah. counting down, yeah. like, 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 literally, like checking the days off. So to what, the time I could touch the court. Now, when you was a senior, when did you turn eighteen, though? 
I didn't turn 18 until April. Yeah. You know, so, but, but it was kind of like in 10th grade, ninth grade, we were having this conversation about senior year, (laughs) you know, because every year it was the same thing. They didn't stop me from trying out. Yeah. And so I would try out, I would easily make the squad. And then in my mind, it was like, man, something crazy going to happen where they just going to be like, you know what? Just go ahead and play. (laughs) It never played out that way though. Yeah. Until 11th grade and I had to, you know. Do my do some some trickery <laughs> that only lasted for like five games and then because you didn't get to play one. against rules right. Uh, well, what happened in eleventh grade was see that that's why I mentioned you right because we had uh, Rocky who coached the Michigan Warriors. You familiar with the Michigan Warriors? I am okay, yeah. and I told him like the best point guard I ever seen was Brent Darby right. with my own two eyes. Right, but I said, well, we had somebody at our school. Who could lock Brent Darby down? <laughs> and his parents would not like that, let him play. Funny. That was like the biggest <laughs> game in Romulus history, and everybody yeah. was like, "We need Rob to yeah. play." And yeah. it was like, but that, that's play. what I was eleventh grade year um, when the rivalry with Romulus and Ridge kind of yeah, started. Yeah. And actually, we won the first. We won the game when Reg hit the yeah he hit the shot the corner. The, yeah, the, the corner. little corner pull up or whatnot. So. We ended up still pulling it out, but in 11th grade, I actually played three games. Yeah. And it was because I made the squad, and then I ended up coming up with a complete lie because <laughs> I wanted to hoop just that bad. First time I ever lied to my parents and or did anything because I've always been a rule follower. Yeah. Like, yeah. my father trusted me with whatever, you know. So it was like – that was probably one of the main reasons he decided that he was going to let me play in 12th because he was like, if this kid would lie to me, yeah, exactly, would just blatantly lie to me. I mean, I put together a whole after school plan, (laughs) forged signatures, made up math um, tutoring (laughs) classes that didn't exist so that I could make time for practice and, and play in the games. And, it lasted for like three games, and then somebody sold me. But out. like early on, that was actually like a strategic plan that you put together because moving forward, we go talk about what you do is branding and all of that, and mm-hmm. that was actually part of that because yeah, it, yeah. that wasn't like, hey, yeah, my, I'm just gonna stay after school. You know what I'm saying? It you was like mad thought. <laughs> it was actually a summer of thought being put into that. And what whole people execution. might not know about Romulus because I don't even know if they do this no more. It used to be like uh, after this, school. It, it was bus. an after school bus, so this was feasible because you don't have to pick me up because I could just get on the after school exactly. bus because it was one that went to the north side and one that went to the south side yep. and they waited. It was a, it was really like to lift a burden off the parents for like, like two latchkey type yeah, of like, shit. Yeah. But it was an after school bus so people out there listening. This was a good plan because I'm just going to get on the after school bus. And to take it a step further, the class that I forged really existed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I didn't just arbitrarily come up with I went through and seen like okay I need help in math. There's a math class that's happening during the exact same time practice is going on. Let me just say that I'm going to this class. Right, and if they check, it's there. It's actually there. Exactly. So, like, no, I thought through, like, and it's it's interesting that you bring up that in terms of how we're going to talk about it later because, like, like, strategic thinking, I've been doing this since... 12, 13, 14. I just didn't know that this that, that, was exactly. Up. Like, I didn't realize this was a skill set that could be used, you know what I'm saying, later on. So, like, let's move forward. So, you, of course, you still love sports, and we'll get into that later because you actually have like a, a eight year old son who's really good at basketball, right? Yeah. I got, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I've been I'm watching him good. since he's been like, what, three when you first started putting it online? I started, actually, I started his Instagram page when he was two. Okay, we actually two. just, me yeah. and him talked about it this morning because. He was debating me when I started the page, yeah. and it's I thought you was gonna bring him. Like I was, yeah, yeah. I was, I was real <laughs> I was close. My wife tried to talk him. me into it. The only thing is, like, he distracts me from like getting my thoughts off because he just, you know, he eight year old, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So he just always moving. But um, he seen a picture on the page from before he was two, yeah. And so he's been thinking like the page must have got started before I was two because yeah. I know I wasn't two yet. Yeah. And I was like, no, we just we were collecting videos and I posted it. So yeah. yeah. And he- <laughs> This sounds so crazy, but that little boy definitely has a jump shot. Like yeah, on the yeah, real yeah. rim. Like he can shoot. He's been shooting it legitimately since he was two years old. Like yeah, with, with like follow through and, and mechanics and everything. So let's talk about that because do you think that you put basketball on him because of you not being able to play? No, that, that that's <laughs> not the reason. But I mean, it's just it was just going to happen because I was so in love with, with basketball, yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm around it. I'm. It's on the TV in front of him all the time. I'm coaching. 
You know what I'm saying? He just, so, what yeah. if he came to you and said, yo, Pops, I hate basketball? I'll be good with it. You know what? It's, it's funny. Like, it's, it was a stretch probably a year and a half ago or so where I said, you know what? I told my wife, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to pull. I'm not going to put him in anything. I'm yeah. just going to, like. See what he said. Exactly. I'm going to not. Because, like, it's just, it's like basketball is, is a seasonal thing for the most part, you know. So there are certain times of the year where there's leagues going on and, you know, opportunities for me to put them in stuff. So one one um, particular time came around where it was like, you know what, I'm not going to put him in anything. I'm going to see if he starts to miss it or yeah. realize that, you I'm know not what, even I player. haven't been yeah. playing <laughs> basketball. Like, what's going on? So um, long story short, I did it. And sure enough, he was like, Dad, I haven't been to the gym. I haven't <laughs> trained with Coach because he like he trained with all these trainers. I haven't been with Coach Avery. I haven't been with Coach Sam. I haven't you know done any of these things. Me and you haven't worked out. Like what's going? Like so he's he's like he's yo, six what's years up? old, yeah. about to be seven, asking me like what's. So it was dope to know that yeah, he really he, exactly like he's missing the sport enough. Exactly enough for him to come to me and say, hey, you know what, we need to get back going. So okay, that's dope. That's dope. So over the time. Over the like last uh, definitely fifteen years, I would say like you were an entrepreneur, right? Mm-hmm. But how did you discover that? Because like, well, you know, conversations we had, you actually at one point like thought you made it because you had a quote unquote good job, mm-hmm. but then something switched through the entrepreneurship. Kind of get into that for us. Well, yeah, since technically two thousand four, I've been full fledged entrepreneur. You know, so that's about fifteen years roughly. Um, but prior to that, I worked at a job at a company called Buckeye Pipeline, which um, it was a it's a gas petroleum company. Um, you know, they're they're one of the top companies on the Fortune 500 list or whatever. And you know, I was making really good money. Had a nice house that I bought. You know, a nice car. Um, you living the dream. I was living what, <laughs> yeah. and what in my mind what was the, the dream that they sold us. Exactly, yeah. exactly. I mean, and I was saving money. You know, I, my father was borrowing money from me. Yeah. You know, like that's a dream come true just in itself. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. your old dude asking you for to borrow some bread or whatnot. What, so what you say to him? now? you remember that year? Yeah. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> yeah. exactly. So you know, from from my vantage point, it was like this is what you work for to get a job, be able to never have to ask anyone for anything, buy a house, buy a crib, and support your family, you know. So that went on for maybe two and a half, three years, but then I got let go from the job suddenly. Like, literally, one day I have a job, everything is great. The next day, they call Robert, you in the office. Robert, we need to – actually, it was a text message the night before that I need you to come in a little early tomorrow. So that kind of alerted you to something. I knew something was weird because I had never happened, but – I wasn't thinking I wasn't going to have a job the next day, you know, so went to went to work, went to the supervisor office. Now, it was a hard conversation because my supervisor hired me was a friend of the family, you know, so I go in and like I can see it looked like he had been crying or his (laughs) eyes was weird and watery and red. And I'm just like, oh, this like this can't be good. Right. Because if something would have happened on a family tip, we would have discussed it. One thousand percent. Right. So this is And, and, and it's just. You know, you just, I've never been one in the energy and all that stuff that people talk about, but um, the energy was <laughs> super off. <laughs> like, like, walk into the room, like, yeah. like goosebumps come over me, like, you know, like something bad, you know. So anyway, we had that conversation. The company had, the company had probably 30 people that worked out of the place that I was at, which wasn't very many, yeah. out of a company of probably... 17, 1800 employees. And I was 20, I want to say I was 23 at the time, 22, 23. And uh, the next youngest person after me was like 50. Yeah. You know, so. <laughs> so people have been locked in. Locked in, but just think like you got this 23 year old walking around, driving a new car, living, living living, exactly, no responsibilities for real. Never been late one time, been here almost two, almost three years, never been late, never missed a day. Um, always on top of my stuff. You know what I'm saying? So, like, the thought of not having a job wasn't even... In never, your mind. Yeah. yeah How like, would this cross my mind? You lose jobs when you do something wrong. Right. You, well, don't, you, know, yeah. you know what I'm saying? So, now it all makes sense. But he came to me and he was like, man, listen, they want to cut back. 
and you're the lowest man on the totem pole. Yeah. And so it's like you you're not getting cut for doing anything wrong. You're just getting cut for business for, yeah. for yeah for seniority, for lack of better words. So, um, you know, I just I left there that day. I remember it like literally it happened an hour ago. Like yeah. it's that fresh in my mind because it was the it was the first time that I realized when you work for somebody, you have zero control over anything. anything. Yeah. Like your life is literally sitting in, in the palm of somebody else's yeah. hands. And it made me start questioning everything. Like, why would I ever work for somebody when they can like snatch my life away from right. me at so any at moment? At this point, you wasn't even thinking about nothing. I wasn't thinking. I mean, like, no, entrepreneurship has always been a part of me. So even in working those those days at Buckeye Pipeline, Every day was spent thinking how, like, what else can I be doing? Like, I'm not maximizing my, my potential, time. you know, but you get you you get caught up in everyday um, life to the standpoint of it's like it becomes a time thing because you're going to spend most of your time at your, your day to day. And then you want to enjoy life to some degree because it's like I'm working and I'm making money but I'm not using it and I'm not you yeah, know you're just sitting here yeah. exactly so it's like if you work 8 10 12 hours on a on a 9 to 5 and you go and you spend a little time with family you spend a little time on some recreational activities like it ain't no time it's time to go to sleep like it ain't no time left for real you know so I just got caught up in that cycle where you just slowly push those entrepreneurial thoughts to the back burner and it's like I'll get into it at some point or you think about it while you're working the other job and yeah, it's like yeah. man I'm still, I'm here all day I should be doing the, this yeah that's but. where a lot of my creativeness has came from is actually working another job just thinking like okay mm -hmm. I could do this I could do that so how did we get to from losing that job to opening up the barbershop so after that day um I probably spent two days in the bed, like literally, <laughs> yeah, yeah. thinking I'm gonna sleep it all away, and then I'm gonna wake up and it's gonna be a dream. And then after that, it was like the job did do a couple things. Like number one, it it they forced you to to create a 401k, yeah. you know. So I had money, like some money stacked. Um, and then, you know, I had paid off, like my bills were paid up, you know. So like I wasn't in your normal situation where, where you lose your job yeah, Monday and Friday. Exactly. You're on you the do. streets. Like yeah. you just, you know, so I wasn't completely, um, I wasn't completely out of the way, but, uh, my thoughts went to, first of all, I'm never working for anybody again. Yeah. Like that's for sure. So what can I do right now where I can actually generate some quick bread for myself? So, you know, the, the first thing that popped in my mind, I mean, I literally could, I don't know if y'all remember, like I cut hair all oh, through high school. school. Yeah. Like I walked around with hundreds of dollars in my pocket and nobody knew it, but it was from, I mean, I would be up to 12, one o'clock at night on school nights in 11th grade, cutting everybody in the neighborhood. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah, exactly. So um, that was kind of like my knee jerk reaction. Like, let me go find a barbershop and let me go just try to make some money. Now I hadn't cut hair from the day I got let go. I hadn't cut hair in probably three years, <laughs> you know? So I was super rusty. I didn't even have clippers. Like I borrowed, <laughs> I borrowed clippers from my brother to go work in the barbershop that I now own. Yeah. Um, at the time, and uh, I remember, um, I remember him giving me the his his old pair of clippers. The tooth, like the 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 teeth on the clippers, the corner was cracked. Yeah. You know, so like I'm in the barbershop cutting people hair. I only got like I go to the barbershop, and uh, everybody has eight, nine, ten pair of clippers. Yeah. So I walk in, set up, and I, I guess I should backtrack. I end up getting a um, a lady that my girlfriend at the time had knew from barber school to let me work there uh, while I went to school to get my oh, license. Oh, yeah, so like on an apprenticeship. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, and, and now, uh, apprenticeships don't really exist for, for barbers, but that's basically what it was. She was like, you know, I let you cut hair. Right, because she got the license, so it, she could have you working there it, under her license type of thing. No, it's illegal. It, <laughs> should, it shouldn't have happened. But she did it anyway. Yeah, um, yeah. Like, and a lot of people do it. But yeah, yeah. technically, you can't go to school. Like, as a cosmetologist, you can. Like, a, the lady, the person yeah. who owns the shop, they can have a hairstylist in and they can work under there to get hours. Barbers can't do that. Like, that's not allowed in the state of Michigan. In okay. other states, maybe, but not in Michigan. Oh, okay. Because what they're trying to get you to put all your hours in at the school. Exactly. Like, you have to go to school, get your hours, and then you. That's like 1,800 hours or something, right? Yeah, it's uh, actually 2,000. Oh. And they, they may have modified it. It's been a long time since I went, yeah. but um, they may have modified it. But it's t it was 2,000 at the time. 
So anyway, I she let me do that. I show up on a um, Saturday morning. I got a broken pair of of Andes Masters <laughs> and a pair of liners and a couple guards and like that's it. And everybody else in there with you know yeah the they whole switch it set. every time they turn around. No, yeah. like it was it was the best day and like the most nerve wracking day because I hadn't cut hair in three years. Um, the line for the shop. Like we, I showed up at eight thirty. The shop opened at nine. It was already a line down the street to get in the for shop for people to come yeah. in and get their haircut. And we was at the time it was only it was only two barbershops on Michigan Ave. Now it's like twenty, yeah. but it was only two barbershops. So everybody in the neighborhood either went to one or the other. Yeah, and there was five barbers. And I walked in. I'm from Romulus. You know what I'm saying? This is a barbershop in the city. Southwest, so, right? Yeah, Southwest Michigan Avenue between Cecil and Central. So, like, I walked in. Nobody knew me. <laughs> right. I only knew the the lady that owned the shop. There's a white lady that owned the shop in the hood. And uh it was like it was a surreal moment, like an outer body experience. Like, how did I go from <laughs> like what the you know what I'm what saying? Like how on? did I go yeah. from like living the life, traveling, you know what I'm saying, to hoping somebody come sit in my chair on the southwest side of Detroit where yeah, I've never no, been, yeah. I don't know nobody, and I'm just hoping somebody sit down. Crazy thing though, that day. I made like four hundred dollars, yeah, which was like unbelievable. Yeah, you know what I'm saying for somebody right, that's, yeah, yeah, that yeah. hadn't cut air, and, and it was just like that feeling that I felt that day is why I'm still an entrepreneur, like right now, it's yeah. because it's like I had complete control over how much money I made. I only stopped making money. Yeah, I only stopped making money because I decided to go home. Like I was just tired, <laughs> right? You know yeah. what I'm saying? But I was controlling when I went to lunch, when I cut hair. The conversations was dope. I didn't know what time it was. Like it was eight, and then all of a sudden it was eight at night. Um, it was just like this is this is too good to be true. Like to be able to do something that you like right. doing, and you wasn't actually in the struggle mode because you had already. It wasn't like if I don't make this four hundred dollars today, it's not like you went like I need four hundred dollars today. Right, right. You I went wasn't like, under. I need to. I wasn't under pressure. Right. Like, I wasn't yeah. under the gun, but um, it it literally that moment was probably where. Um, entrepreneurship became the forefront of your life, of my life. Like and, and everything bar- that I would do at that point is actually like the epitome of entrepreneurship. Or barber or here, I mean, because like if you mess up, you don't got a customer. If yeah. you do great, you got five new customers. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? It's like when you selling a product, is like that's based on if the people like it. Right. But the product you selling now is making someone feel good. Yep. So even if you don't do what they used to the first time, oh, Rob was cool. I'm going to go back. And 100%. then that's how you get regulars. And then you be like, oh, I'm about to go get my haircut. You need to line up. Just come with me. My man Rob. Yep. And then it's like, oh, I got four, but my man really made an appointment. Come yep. on. You yep. feel yep. what I'm saying? Yep. So yep. that's you definitely hit the, You hit the, the nail on the head. Like that. Like the barber, me being a barber, and as a matter of fact, like if I can take the principles outside of the fading and the techniques and everything involved in in doing an actual haircut, if I can take the principles that you learn in just dealing with people, like you talk to so many different people that come from so many different walks of life. So like if I can take all those principles, because like you said, it is probably 10% that has to do with the haircut and 90% about how you vibe with the person what yeah. the yeah, what the conversation is about you know what you guys have in common when i and and it's crazy like after six months of just going in there and focusing on giving a great fade having my presentation good making sure i have more than two pair of clippers like that's the initial thought going in to like you know from a from a, a um technique and tool standpoint to be on par right but then six months into it remember like I'm strategically thinking every time a person get in my chair and get up, I'm thinking, what can I do to make sure that this person get comes back? back? Chair, yeah. And so then I start analyzing, like I'm comparing, like, okay, greatest fade I've ever given to a person, that dude ain't come back. Best conversation I ever have, those people come back right. consistently. So now it's like, wait a minute, this really don't got nothing to do with okay, the haircut? Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So then the game changed because then I realized – it don't I can win I can get clients <laughs> yeah. off of just my conversation. Oh yeah, I'm about to get every client. Yeah. So if a if a dude was sitting in the person chair next to me, I'm starting a conversation with him. So he's sitting in the chair waiting. I'm conversa- I'm starting a conversation with him. I start just 
networking and building relationships and then like that's, eventually people just go start that was that's all it takes is for the barber not to be there one time that's it that's it because if i go in the barber shop and my barber not there i'm not thinking about the chance that i'm taking with the haircut i'm thinking like my barber not here i, yep. st- I still need a haircut yep. yeah. who do i have rapport with <laughs> yeah, like yeah. who well, do i have a relationship that, with? that's how i met our one of our current barbers where we grew up with the other one which is javon but that's how i met ish because uh, Tay was late so I'm yeah. like dog I need a haircut mm-hmm. we started talking and then we started talking about Islam and then he like nigga Ish my name Ishmael and then yep. that was ten, his son 10 yeah I think his it. son 10 that was 10 years ago yep. we still rock strong common ground yeah and I, I just keep two barbers because if one of them packed or out of town or something Back up I need yo yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah and then saying? I like I, I ain't gonna lie though I like to be able to have a barber when I walk in a barber shop I'm next Right. you feel me like, right. like no disrespect to nobody else but my mans know that I'm coming and I got to be in and out. So right. I ain't trying to jump in front of nobody. I be here at 1230, 1 o'clock. You know what I'm saying? But when I come at 1230 or 1 o'clock, I really need to be the next it, it, person. Listen, it's only three customers. <laughs> it's only three customers. It's the customer that's like you that want to come in, get the cut, get out. Then you got your customer that never want to make appointments. They yeah. just want to come to the shop when they want to come to the shop. Then you got the dude that's coming to the shop and he gonna be there for four hours, five Regardless, hours, six yeah. hours. So <laughs> yeah. it don't really matter. Oh, you wanna go ahead and get your cut? Go ahead, go ahead, jump in front of me. It's cool. He's sitting down drinking beer or whatever, like he chilling, you know. So really, like those are the only three clients. And again, like so somebody I gotta just put you in a box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just like as soon as you sit in my chair within three minutes, I've sized you up. I know what you like, what you don't like what the conversation should be about, whether I should talk, whether I shouldn't. Like, I now went through my whole checklist to evaluate how I'm going to make sure that you keep coming back to me. Right. You know, so I went through that kind of school of of learning people is what I called it. Like, I learned people through the six years, seven years that I was consistently in the barbershop every day, which is the foundation for everything that I do now. So how long did it take you to actually purchase the barbershop from the first day that you started there? Um, it took three, three and a half years. So 2004, I went in and then 2007, um, I went in on a partnership and then January of 2008, I bought it outright. Yeah. yeah. Now, how, how long had that been your goal since you walked in that barbershop? Um, it didn't turn into a goal probably until about a year later. Like yeah. I would like honestly, um, 2005. After being there for a year, like I was on, like I was back on top, you know, like in <laughs> yeah. my mind, yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like I went from, you know, the roller coaster of unstable income to a complete roster of clients, um, completely booked and filled, like never can get in with me type situation where people would come in brand new, and uh, started um, renting one of my rooms out at my crib. And it was like life was like real good, yeah. and I was working my own schedule. I was dipping out to L.A. and and, and right, you could do what you want. Yeah, yeah I was yeah, right. Yeah, I was yeah, moving. Yeah, like yeah, life yeah. was good. But around twenty seven, it started like I wanted more. Like I was like, how do I expand the situation and and make it better than what it is now? Right, which right. is why the thoughts of ownership started kind of creeping in. Okay, so before we get off the barbershop, now you said that's in Southwest. You from Romulus, you know, we from the area. I, I just looked at it the other day, like, Inkster, Romulus, Taylor, that's like the same. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? All of those people interact. The only thing is you grew up in Wesley and we grew up in on the Mid-East. But those three communities interact so much together. Why not a unique barbershop in one of those areas? So initially, kind of like franchising the barbershop was the original goal, believe it or not. And I don't even think I've ever vocalized this. Um, no, they're exclusive. Yeah, you got. <laughs> yep, you get an exclusive contact, which means you guys are doing a great job interviewing. Uh, so initially it was like, let me open up barbershops, you know, strategically all around the Metro Detroit area, um, and using the same kind of blueprint where, like, I would have five to seven chairs, and then you know try to fill each shop with you know the same type of model, and then in in the process of trying to build a team to do it with, I realized that the barbershop is only going to be as strong as the person that's kind of like at the head of the ship. Yeah. And in the search for that, I couldn't find that person. Yeah. And then the next thing that started happening was every time I would build a solid team within my shop, the people that were standout, people that I felt we could possibly transition to the next shop, didn't want to go do my shop. They wanted to go do the their own shop, shop yeah. you know, which 
is a natural progression. Like, and I didn't ever want to hold anybody back from right. spreading their or wings. Or cause any animosity yeah. because you you thinking in your mind, you grooming them and they like, yes. damn, yeah. man, I want to quit fucking with this yes. thing. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but how can I when they show me so much? You, so. Yeah, exactly. And so, um, you know, and, and, it, and that's also a learning process because when you emotionally attach to the idea that you're giving somebody breaks and opportunities and like a lot of the people that will come into the shop, like they'd be in a bad way. You know, and so the first two months, like I might say no booth rent or might give them a discount on the booth rent. And then they would struggle throughout the process with customers and stuff. So I'm giving them my customers, right. people, little kids I don't want to cut no more. So the the progression and in, in their development is happening because I'm, I'm personal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm personally. I'm taking, per- I'm taking food out of my mouth. Exactly. Putting it in yours. Exactly. There's I'm no making way sacrifices to look at along yeah, the yeah. way. So with that, you expect people to kind of reciprocate. You yeah, know? and you know what, what, you know what though? why people don't, though? Because they not used, used to, to that. that. So, like, they're not used to you not having a motive for right. being just... Your motive is just to make sure you groom somebody because it's two things, right? Like, uh, you go be either in a... In a uh, leadership role because you your own boss when you're a barber but the owner of the shop is the leadership role, right right so it's only two just how you said it's only three type of people who sit there it's two types it's one person who want to make sure you get on yours and go to the next level and then it's people who want to just keep you where you at right most people only know the people who want to keep you where they at yep. so when somebody they like why would he get me a customer well it's really because i don't want to cut this kid no more <laughs> right and, and instead that, actually, of having them sitting here here, exactly. you need the customer, and now you, you can need get to a build customer. your customer base. That's a win-win. That's yeah. a win-win but scenario. But so, so many people be used to people just not doing it genuinely. Listen, yeah. man, you said you want to be a barber. I know because however you came in here and told me your situation here, bro, this is me making sure your situation get better. Right. Nobody used to that. So right. Right. it's only a couple people who do that. You won. We too. Mo won. Right. That's people I know. Right. You feel what I'm saying? But those are rare type types of people just yeah. out of the because everybody got a get over mentality. Like so and, and generally people think if Rob giving me these customers, they looking at that as a weakness. Yeah. They not looking at Rob like Rob could actually be trying to groom me because <laughs> he has a bigger picture right. and yeah. he wants to take me to the next level. But it's people so selfish because they would be trying to get over it if they did yeah, that. That was, yep. so, that was them in the same situation. So when, even when we, whoever we deal with, I always toss people to people I know, whatever they do. That's the whole premises of the connected experience. That's why we say it's a lifestyle because when we look back on the type of people we are, bro, I've never been afraid to get nobody to plug whatever right. game we in. Right. If we hustling and you could out hustle me and the plug is better for you, take the plug, bro. Right. Because this, this version of who I am is not who I'm gonna be yeah. for the that might be all you ever go accomplish with your life yep. is that plug. Yep. That's just a footnote in my wife writing my book about my stories. Yep. Yeah. So yep. people don't see it. And like you know that. what else that I you know, looking deeper and, and and dealing in those scenarios so much is what I realize is it's a sign of insecurity. Yeah. Like a lot of the a lot of the people that you deal with are just insecure in with themselves. Yeah. You know, so the 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 when they see somebody throwing throwing them a plug, it's like I need to take this and I need to use it um, to my advantage. When for me, it's like I'm gonna give it to you because I can go out and easily replace that situation. <laughs> right, yeah. Like it's not gonna it's not gonna hurt me or or um, stop my growth because I'm trying to give you something to help you grow. Right. You know, and and when. I really started to analyze that and understand like where it was coming from. It removed all expectations, which is why like I approach everything completely like that. Uh, again, another lesson from like the whole barbershop experience um, just to continue that story. So like I would give and help these people. And then at the end, like I've had dudes open up shops and start shops, partner with shops and don't tell me to literally the day they're going to start cutting hair in Somewhere the new else. shop, yeah. you know, and it's just like, why would you put me in a bind like that? Yeah, like you couldn't at least give me a like, heads up. Like or I talked like, to you like five times yesterday. <laughs> yeah, like you were you were just cutting hair and next making exactly yeah. and making money next to me, and now you like about to go start cutting hair in your new shop that you didn't just all of a sudden get a new shop. Yes, yeah, yeah. You've yeah, been you, putting chairs in the yeah. shop. You've been hiring barbers. Like yeah. you've been Painting doing all this stuff. Paint. Get, getting it to your liking, you know. So, but that like seven, six, seven years ago, that would have it bothered me to some degree because I just didn't understand like how could somebody who I've helped along the way 
put me in that in a in a spot like that. You it's because people don't got the same moral compass. Yeah, yeah, whatever, yeah. whatever your morals and your beliefs or whatever your foundation is, people don't get that. Yep. And then when you have that, you expect other people to have that. Exactly. That's what it is. And like that's you where look at and people. that's yeah. and that's where I had to reprogram and is it's put me like over like the last three, four years and I've mentally cause that ain't a place you can just all of a sudden be. Like yeah. you gotta mentally elevate and grow to a place to where you can legitimately not expect stuff from other people. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? It's a huge kind of like mountain to climb. It is. Know? And like I I would say we fairly there. You and I, Antoine. Well, I, I'm right. there. I yeah. don't really you know I don't what I'm expect saying? nothing. Yeah. I, if I do something for you it, mentally, I actually like to forget I did it. That way, yeah. I don't. You like you might remember, it, but no, man, I, and, that's and, what I do. And to just <laughs> to just not give something. Like honestly, if I'm going to expect something back, I'm not going to give it. It's clearly yeah, too yeah. valuable for <laughs> me, me to take, give. It, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But anything that I give or anything that I do for people now, like I literally 100% do it with no expectation because if there's no expectation, yeah, I do it because I want to. That's I do it. It, exactly. I do it because I want to. I do it because I believe in you. I do it because I fully believe it will help you or whatever the case may be. And I don't expect nothing back. If you give me something back, dope. Yeah. But if I don't get nothing back, I'm. It's not gonna stop me from Progress. from doing yeah. it again. Like I will do it again because yeah. you know, that's that keeps you. That I feel like that keeps you emotionally balanced and emotionally in the best possible place you know what i'm saying where as you can be let's talk about unique collection uh so what is unique collection unique collection is really a lifestyle um it started off as a uh it started off as an extension of the barbershop which just to answer your question because i don't know if i actually answered it but so unique was supposed to expand to those different locations and when i realized that it was really the growth of the shop would really be based on the strength of the person leading it I could never find anybody that I felt confident in putting in those locations to physically be in a place. And I started thinking long term, like if I have to rely on people to hold the ship down in multiple places, then that's going to end up being stressful and that's going to be hard to maintain. That's going to be a job. Exactly. That's going to be a real job. Exactly. So I kind of aborted that thought process and I wanted to start a magazine, which um, that led me to a designer, which led me to like some dope designs I thought would look good on t-shirts yeah. you know so that's kind of like where the whole unique collection idea came from because it was like if I don't if I'm not going to do the barbershop franchise idea it'd be kind of dope to have a clothing line attached to, to the, the to the unique name you know and use the people that came to the shop as um, people to sell to and, and give the stuff out and you know use them kind of like billboards or whatnot that so, was unique always the name of the barbershop Unique was like it was actually unique um, unisex barbershop when I bought it, and the unique name came from the previous owner. Yeah, and then uh, when we decided to start the clothing line, um, we just felt like people were going to question the name and the spelling, and it was going to confuse people. And it was like I wanted to do something that was bigger than the clothing line anyway. So that's when we came up with the acronym Unifying Nationalities by Encouraging Education and Knowledge, which we did it not understanding how like that was going to be the thing but that ended up honestly being i feel like the reason unique was able to grow and, and do a lot of because you also do a do. lot of events too right yeah, yeah yeah it's actually i mean unique is actually more or less it was more of a uh an events company honestly like and it still is like yeah. we we probably more event based than we are actually clothing line based, based yeah. but the clothing line you know you need product a product or service attached to basically any brand just for for the general market to really conceptualize it in their head. So yeah. the clothing line is kind of like at the forefront, but um, we probably do more events than anything. Right. And you also stepped out and created a Robert Courtney and Associates. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So Robert Courtney and Associates is really the culmination of the learning experiences that's come from the barbershop and the clothing line and everything that we've done in between. And so um, with that, um, we frame it as a marketing and branding agency to help brands build, you know, their online presence. But, um, you know, it was it was one of those things where it just was the natural evolution of, of everything that we've experienced and helped people with. And you was pretty early on the cusp of the internet. And uh, we talked one time and you told me, like, uh, actu- actually talking to somebody next to you on a plane, put that in your mind. Kind of mm-hmm. tell that story uh, kind of uh, quickly to let people know. Because, you know, some people sit next to each other and never 
utter a word to them. Mm-hmm. And it, it, I mean, sometimes it's a racial barrier, sometimes it's a language barrier, right. but sometimes it's just as simple as saying, oh, hey, how you doing? Yep, yep. And, 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 that, and that's always, like I was telling you guys, I was working at the shop. I was traveling in and out all the time. So one particular time I was coming from L.A., I was on a um I was on a plane ride and I sat next to this gentleman who seen me reading um this marketing book and it was actually him it wasn't me it was probably you know it was uh, probably a red eye which means like most people are sleeping on the plane and me him and probably a couple other people was the only people up and I had my light on and at this time I'm heavy I'm heavy in grind mode business mode trying to develop the next move for unique at the time. And um, I'm reading this online, this book about online strategies and techniques. And he knew the book and he was like, you must be, um, you must be on a business or trying to figure out social media. And uh, at the time, MySpace was really like the only um, so, platform yeah, it wasn't even that was social popping. media. Yeah, 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 right. So the name <laughs> social media was, um, and as a matter of fact, social media wasn't mentioned. It was, I think I want to say the name of the book was the new age of internet marketing or something like that. Yeah. And uh, long story short, he basically read that book and he had read several other books that was related to online marketing. And he was like, you on the right path. And he was like, if I were you, everything that I'm doing, I would dump it into online marketing and just really become a student of how the internet is going to revolutionize business in general. And he just, it was one of those things where I could have easily ignored the conversation, but it was just something instinctively inside me that made me believe that he knew what he was talking about. And so I just, I dove super deep and I was probably reading two, three books a week, you know, internet related at that time, trying to understand Twitter um, because Twitter was just getting, you know, popular, trying to understand Facebook um, and how we could leverage it for what we were trying to do. And uh, we just, we jumped in head first. And from that point on, it's kind of been, I feel like, we're, we've been we've been leading to this point now, whereas we're giving con- consultations and advice and educating business owners on why they need to use social media to market their companies. Right, and you do a great job. Uh, we seen you worked with Hoops, another hometown hero, yeah, uh, yep. uh another one. Yep. So it's like it's good to see y'all progress. Of course, we like super close and coming to events and everything mm-hmm. because we went to high school together. Your sister's actually showing, showing us an apartment <laughs> Tuesday. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because, Always family. Yeah, because we preach that like and we want people to know like Y'all gotta you know, come to her weekly Wednesday. Yeah, oh so she Yeah, we y'all yeah, we y'all talk to her. Yeah. I'm gonna actually mention it to her too because obviously I do her marketing. Yeah, but yeah. um she do a weekly Wednesday where she bring in entrepreneurs to talk to her audience about whatever. Yeah. You know, yeah. so also oh, kinda like you was doing with the branding for beginners. Yep, yep. She do it for Matter an hour. Fact, I just Wednesday. seen or had somebody up there yep. writing on the board or something. Yep. I seen yep. some pictures of that because yep. we actually graduated with her. Right, we from the same graduating class, so we coming up on our twenty in a minute. And, uh, and, and let me mention one other thing because um, I don't think a lot of people realize, and I don't talk about it that much. But Robert Corey and Associates, like we work with every industry, you yeah. know. So the stuff that we broadcast is for attention purposes because I know people want to see hoops. I know they want to see right. LeBrittany and like the big names, but. I mean, we work with Chevrolet, we work with um, Ford, we work with um, Remax. Like, we work with a lot of, right. you know, corporate companies. And that's why companies. we came to you and discussed what we discussed with you that night yeah. at the thing. Yeah. But it's something that I want to cover before we get out of here, the importance that your father taught you about being a philanthropist. Uh, oh, yeah. Like, my dad was, I mean, his mission in life was to serve people. You know, yeah. like, he felt like um, he was put on earth to really give the message of, you know, the Bible and and all the different things that people can benefit from if they knew what the Bible taught, you know. So that's been instilled in me since, you know, I was a a little kid and, you know, it it would be unnatural for me to not figure out ways to educate people, to help people, to put people in a different different, um, spot of state of mind, I should say. But the barbershop kind of really drilled that down because in those days I had conversations with people that just didn't have perspective of life, you know, like growing up in certain situations, never been out the city, never been out the neighborhood, never traveled to any States. Right. And when you're talking to somebody that, that, that has a vision or a, a outlook on life that that's that small, then it's like every conversation matter. 
you right. know, and it's like you can and literally impact each individual that you talk and, to. And that's with a lot of people, like you saying, you traveling all the time, and it's like, they I don't know some adults who've never who been on a plane, been right. to that place, and it's like, exactly. oh no, I've been to New York and like, like right. New York, New York, like right. yeah, like it ain't just. And on you don't TV. gotta be a hooper. Yeah, you don't gotta be a you rapper. Can just do and these it ain't things. Super expensive. Yeah. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Listen, people spend more money on clothes than it costs to travel. You will see somebody head to toe decked out in the latest, and they never been nowhere, and they could have took everything they just spent on their outfit, left for three or four days, 1, had a great times. experience, but people don't understand the experience. They like to watch it, especially in this social media age. Yep. It looks so good to watch it, like, when you we'll see you in LA, but or or let's say Vegas, mm-hmm. we'll see you in Vegas. But we know that you go to Vegas every year around the same time exactly. for the magic show. Exactly. So it's all business. So right. by the third or fourth time there, I done made some connects. It's cheaper to go. Right. I done hit the casino enough to yep. be able to comp these rooms. Like it's ways to get out and see this stuff. Yep. The the stuff that y'all want to be a part of. So anybody listening, like you just got to get yourself those experiences. And get like, up and do it too. Yeah, yeah you just got to and, and put your value in in the things that, that you want e- to do. Exactly. Yeah, you, yeah. Your value is in Jordans, or your value is in Louis Vuitton. Like if that's where your value is, then you're gonna miss out on a lot of yeah, yeah. <laughs> opportunities. But if your value is in getting new experiences, like right. I remember the first time we took a plan. Where were we going to Georgia to Atlanta? We had been to Georgia a thousand times in cars. No, no, the first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. we was going to Georgia. Yeah. And then we, I can't remember not ever getting on the plane after that. (laughs) Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I can't remember. Because the only time we didn't fly was two weeks after September 11th. It was just a hectic time flying, so we took a bus to Atlanta, and we was like, "Well, we definitely never, never taking the bus. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Too many stops." I did that when I was like eleven. I told yeah. my mom, "Like, I'm never riding a bus again." Oh, bro, Let I can't even home. get in the car past Cincinnati. If we going, if we going past Cincinnati, I just fly and meet it's you hard. there, bro. It's I can't, I can't yeah. take no car rides. So, yeah. how can people get at you if they want you to? Uh, Help them expand their brand if they want to book you because you are a, a speaker. You do mm-hmm. speaking events. How, how would people be able to get at you? Um, I set up a really easy way for people to link up with me. If you ever need brand um, consulting, if you ever need somebody to come speak, uh, you can just visit robertcourtney.co. That's all you got to do. And all the all the um, booking information is available. Um, as far as social media go, you can obviously contact me on any of the social media platforms. Um, Robert Courtney dot, Robert Courtney Collins. On Instagram, Is Robert that a Courtney with a K or a C? With a C. Oh, right there. Robert Courtney Collins. Um, <laughs> Robert Courtney Collins on LinkedIn. Robert Courtney Collins on YouTube. And uh, anything that has to do with entrepreneurship, branding, social media, I got you. Okay, and you can also follow us at, on Instagram and Twitter at TCE Pod. That's TCE Pod. And then if you want to be a part of the show, PR at TCOHH.org. Or if you know somebody who knows us, that's kind of even easier because we could just jump on the phone and don't feel all weird. Uh, and uh, I'm AJ. I'm SJ. And I, I want, want for my brother, brother what I want for myself. myself.